This is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 858 for Thursday, March the 14th, 2019. Today on Tips from the Top Floor, we're looking to what extreme limitation can do to your photography and why it works at all. And Chuck wants to know how to prepare for an extreme Himalayan winter journey and a big walk-in freezer might be all you need. Hey, hello and welcome. This is Chris Marquardt. You're listening to Tips from the Top Floor, the photography show. Ah, uh, yeah. This is a difficult beginning. My, my apologies for this episode to be late, first of all, because uh, I know usually this is on Thursdays or Fridays, but um, we've had a bit of a sad week here in the villa, in the viewfinder villa, because, no, I'm okay. Everyone's okay, apart from one of our cats, because we had to let go of one of our cats. One of the villa cats, the black one, um, he got very sick all of a sudden, and he's now no longer with us, which, yeah, a bit of a bummer. A big, big bummer, actually. Uh, I mean, especially if you've if you shared the house for over 10 years. He was 13, and cats can't live much longer, but this time, it wasn't meant to be. So... Uh, interestingly enough, looking at myself, I'm almost a bit surprised about my own reaction um, because, yes, I'm sad, uh, but I've never really been a pet person. I've never thought I'd grow that attached to a pet. But, yeah, I really miss my little furry friend. So, yeah, I'm just a bit sad today. Um, and now I don't really know how to get to the topic of the show, but, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd have to share this with you because... I know a lot of you have pets, and I'm sure you love them. I'm sure you have a lot of great photos of them. And if you don't, I know a lot of you want to learn about taking pictures of your pets. Uh, so I will do, in one of the future episodes, I will do an, an episode on pet photography. Not this week, but uh, let's say in next or the week after next week, uh, or maybe even a bit later. Uh and this is your opportunity. If you have pets and if you love to take pictures of your pets, but if you want to learn to do it better, if you have questions about that, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Send your questions to voice at tfttf.com. If possible, as a recording on your smartphone with your voice recording app. Uh, but if you want to write, that's fine too. Uh, the, again, the, the address is voice at tfttf.com. And uh, anyway... Let's dive into today's topic. Uh, here's one I came across a while ago, which was, well, I, I constantly come across that, but um, I came across this again in a different form, a different shape, and this is why I'm bringing this up. This is about uh, projects 
about photography projects that you can use to to kind of force yourself to go out and take photos. We've all heard about them. There's like the the 52 projects where you take like a picture every week of the year. And then there's the 365 projects where you take a picture every day of the year. And those are those are uh can be challenging. But uh, here's one that I just recently came across by a photographer named Van Zeis. Hope I'm not mispronouncing the name too horribly. Um, he did a 365 project and he wrote about it online. I will link to that blog entry in the show notes. But he did it in a very um, interesting way because he put on some additional shackles. He, he, he uh, you know, one of these projects is kind of a limitation, right? It, it limits you. It, it forces you into a mindset. And uh, he limited himself even more. Because he <clears throat> he writes he shot exactly one film photo every day for a year. So this the, the way this came along is that he got a box of 35 millimeter film from a friend on January the 1st, 2018. And those were 12 rolls of Ilford HP5 black and white negative film. Very classic film. I used to shoot this a lot when I was younger. It's still available. And those were seven rolls of film of uh, 36 exposures and five of 24. And that was a total of 372 exposures. And you might already kind of get an idea where this is going. Uh, So here's I'm quoting from the article now. He says, I decided the very next day that I had only one choice, not an exercise in photography, but in deliberation. Each day of 2018, I was to make one and only one photograph on film. I'd have to pick my moments carefully. There'd be no do-overs, no second chances. I knew that at some point an editor, a curator or a grumpy internet commenter would demand to see my contact sheets. So I'd have to go through my each and every day, watching every moment, an exhausting effort while trying to decide if that very one would be my found poem for that particular day. Now, just let that sink in. You have enough shots to cover one year, but not that many more, maybe a handful more just for like good measure. But uh, just imagine you could only take one photo a year and then make this uh, one photo a day and make this in into... Uh, a a project, a book, an exhibition of some um, some some sort, a product in the end, and that is, I mean, that's a scary thought, especially now as we shoot with like 128 gigabyte cards in our cameras, and we have thousands of shots that we can take and we can choose, and this is a very very different approach. Now, Van Zeis is not a beginner, right? He sh- he shot film before. And then he writes, he shot 15 years in digital and he had to uh, begin this project by buying a camera first. So this um, has even another twist coming up. He had to start by going out and getting a camera and he bought an old Nikon N80 that was in terrible condition. One of the problems the camera had was the meter didn't work. But then that's the camera he used. So he kind of had to guesstimate the shots, right? 
Plus, of course, then there's manual focus. I mean, there's just lots of obstacles, lots of limitations that he put himself, uh, that he put in front of himself. Now, exposure-wise, if you've been shooting film or if you've been listening to this show, you know there's the Sunny 16 rule and the Sunny 16 works. If you don't, if you didn't learn that before, the moment you get a camera with a broken meter, you learn it. And it's not, it's not, it's a simple rule. It's not difficult. And then you have that skill to expose photos without metering. And it's not magic. It's a simple rule. But it's something that you have to learn and internalize and kind of automate. And I have that exact same thing. Well, it's not a broken meter, but I have a DSLR, uh, DSLR, an analog SLR, film SLR, um, that has a meter that only works when you put a battery in. And because I've been too lazy to put a battery in, I just use the Sunny 16. I don't use the meter because the camera, yeah, it works just fine. I'm just too lazy to put a battery in. So anyway, um, Van Zeiss got all these obstacles in front of himself. But then he decided to add yet another one. And uh, he decided to try and make all the exposures at a 350th of a second. Because that's another twist. If you take those exposures at a 350th of a second, they would add up to about a second in total for an entire year. And that's kind of, I like that. I like that idea. I think that's even the project, he called that the one second project because, yeah, it's one second of exposure uh, every day of a year, a 350th of a second. So he, yeah, he sorted out the tech stuff and it's a challenge. He put a bit of a challenge in for himself to manage that. Um, and then he writes, within a month, I discovered that I had been thrown headlong into one of the most meaningful and meditative experiences of my life day in and day out. I was forced to take each and every moment and simultaneously savor and weigh it. Was this the best my day would offer? Could I? Would I bet that something better was coming? And that's an interesting uh, realization that he had and that I think everyone who does any kind of a project, photo project, kind of has that. The moment you put boundaries around this, the moment you have a goal, the moment you have limitations in place, you will look at things around you with different eyes. You will change the way you look at things. And I think, I mean, this is the distillation of why those projects work, of why those one photos a week projects or those one photo a day projects, why they work and why they work wonders for your photography, because they are an exercise in deliberation. In today's world where it seemingly doesn't matter if you take 10 shots or a hundred or a thousand, finding a way to force yourself to be deliberate in your photography, finding a way to make yourself evaluate not only what you shoot, but why you shoot it and how you shoot it, that's probably the best gift you can give yourself as a photographer. And I I know a, a 365 project is quite a commitment especially if you build yourself such a framework of limitations like Van Zeiss did. 
So uh, there are plenty of other ways to get a bit more deliberation in your photography. The, this, so don't 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 just wave this off as oh I will never have the time or I'll never be able to pull this off. I'll get stuck after ten shots or I have too many days the week where I can't do this. Uh, but no, there's there's simpler ways to to do something along those lines. Maybe not quite as tough, but. Um, other ways to get a bit more deliberation to your photography and one of them of course is our assignments here on the tips from the top floor slack we do these uh every other month and uh, everyone is welcome to join in and if i say we do this actually that's not true matt does these matt armstead the best helper a podcaster could ask for and The official release Pixie Extraordinaire here on the show. He's the one who makes sure you get to listen to the episodes after I recorded them. He is the one who gives us an assignment every other month. And they're they're typically very simple assignments. Nothing nothing out of the like nothing totally impossible. Uh the current one, for example, is still is still up for a few more weeks until the end of March. Um and you can Drop everything and take a picture now and and hand it in and get a chance to have this uh, reviewed here on the show. Uh, the, this one is about shooting a photo with an isolated subject. As simple as that. But you know, the moment you've got that assignment kind of installed in your brain, if you, you get that thing in there, the next time you'll go outside, you will search for the subject. You'll start evaluating them against each other. You'll see things that are... You'll you'll start thinking about how do I isolate a subject against... Well, what do I isolate... Okay, so you will ask yourself the question, what do I isolate it against? Other subjects? The background? And and you will start thinking about the subject in your photography. And that's the goal of an assignment like this. So if you haven't thought about participating in the current Slack challenge... This is the best chance for you to do something for your photography. It's March 2019, so March means we are heading straight into spring pretty soon. Our The grayness outside is coming to a stop. The colors are coming back. The sun is coming back. The nature is awakening. You will... You'll want to do more photography and participating in the assignments is not only a great way to do more photography, it's also a great way to get your photo evaluated, to talk to others about your photography, to share your photography, not just with me, but with everyone who is also there in the Slack and who is interested in this. So you might want to get in on this. That's what I'm trying to say. You might want to get in on this assignment and at the same time do something your photography. Uh, we do this on the TFTTF Slack. I will link the channel in the show notes. You will have to be a TFTTF Slack member or, as I like to call you, a TFTTF Slacker. But that's free. There's no charge for that. Um, and the, the TFTTF Slack is also a great place where you can just discuss photography with others, um, exchange tips about even all sorts of different genres. There's an abstract, an aerial genre, an architecture genre, landscape, macro portraiture, sports, street, wildlife, photo critique section. There's like a show and tell section. There's one for photo projects. 
uh it's just a great place for the community and uh it's free as i said and um i'll put a link in the show notes how to get on board of the slack if you haven't already done so and then there's our cio rusty russ who will be more than happy to get you on board and get you started so yeah dig in do an assignment do something for your photography This episode of Tips from the Top Floor is brought to you by Shaper. Take networking from awkward to awesome with Shaper, the number one professional networking platform that uses your experience, interests, and goals to help you make the right connections. Whether you're looking for investors, a co-founder, a new job opportunity, or just inspiring conversations, Shaper can connect you to professionals who truly want to share tips and help. Each day, it suggests 15 people with similar goals and interests for you to meet. Then all you have to do is take a few minutes to swipe through through your daily profiles and set up coffees with the people who stand out. If you're a professional, the Shaper app should be installed on your phone. So download the app today or check out Shaper online at shaper.co. That's shaper, S-H-A-P-R dot C-O to learn more about Shaper, download the app and improve the way you network. Hi Chris, it's Chuck from Kansas City in the United States. I'm going to the Himalayas for a nine-day backcountry trek this winter. We'll be sleeping in tents and temperatures will be around minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 34 degrees Celsius. I have two questions. Everything will be snow and ice. What considerations should I make while shooting as far as exposure settings? My second question, I know to keep my camera cold and not put under my coat and such. What should I expect as far as performance from my batteries in such cold? Any other extreme weather tips would be great as well. Thanks for all you do. Love the show. Thanks for your question, Chuck. Awesome. Trekking in the Himalayas in winter sounds appealing to me. You know, I like the cold. And uh, yeah, this sounds like a great adventure. So you'll be in really cold conditions you'll be with a lot of snow and ice um and yeah keeping the camera outside is probably the best you can do then uh the moment you try to warm it up warmer air carries more humidity so that means more condensation um and yeah the battery performance is a concern and uh, let me try to think about what makes sense here well i think you have main two main areas to deal with here the first is the camera itself uh from a mechanical point of view how are the oils how are the um the 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 lubrication in the camera is that something that will i don't know cause a problem when it's getting too cold sometimes that might uh, mean that lubrication gets harder when it gets cold and then things don't move as easily anymore that's especially true with older film-based cameras uh I have a lot of stories to tell about cameras not move, not working in winter, but working just fine in summer. Um, and I shot my cameras to about, and these are DSLRs, to about minus 20, 25 Celsius. And I've heard from others sh- who shot their cameras even colder and they didn't report any issues. Um, but you can test that. You can test that and you can test your batteries. Um, 
Again, battery performance is highly dependent on the type of battery, the type of battery chemistry, how the cells were built and so on. Um, you can test that in the freezer. Do you have a freezer in the house? Ours goes to like minus 20 Celsius. I think minus 24 Celsius, which is like minus 4 Fahrenheit and colder. And uh, you can put your camera in there and just let it sit there for a few hours and then test how it performs. Now, you, it will fog up the moment you pull it out of the freezer because the air, the warmer air is more humid. But you can test how good the batteries hold up, for example. Now, my personal experience, and I'm not being paid to say that, but uh, I'm a Canon shooter, you know that, most of you do. And uh, the the Canon LPE6 batteries, those are the ones in my cameras, or now the with the upgrade to the 5D Mark IV, the LPE6N, which is just a bit stronger, they have turned out to be amazingly good in the cold. I've had them with me on several very cold encounters in the Arctic, at Lake Baikal in winter, in uh, in the Himalayas. They are excellent in the cold. They will still get weaker in the cold. Um, what happens is that the batteries cannot provide the electricity that, that's in them as well when they're cold, as well as in the in the warm. It doesn't mean they are they, they lose their charge. It just means they can't deliver it. So if you have a battery that chokes in the cold... After a while, warm it up because then it will come back to life and you will have access to that uh, charge in the battery again. Uh, so to mitigate this, I will always have like a few spare batteries around in an inside pocket, warm to my body temperature, and then uh, I'll swap them out. If a battery goes weak, um, it will need to be replaced. If you have a mirrorless camera, have lots of spare batteries because the mirrorless cameras... They have to run their display. They just use more energy and the batteries are typically a bit smaller. So you will need more batteries. I have a bunch of them ready. And uh, yeah, if you warm them up, they will recover and give you some access to that uh, to that energy in them. I've uh, also witnessed a photographer who uh, up in Hokkaido years ago at the, uh, at the workshop up there where it was really cold. Uh, who who use these foot warmers? You know, foot warming pads. They are chemical. No no liquid in them. They are dry. They are like a iron powder based. And you open the bag, and the moment they get into contact with air, with oxygen, they will start being yeah generating heat for a while. And the ones that are there's like hand warmers and foot warmers, and the ones for your feet have little sticky pads on them, so you can stick them under under your socks and then walk on them which is great if it's really cold um, and i've seen a photographer use those and use that sticky pad to stick those against the battery grip of their camera now he had a camera on a, on a tripod and it was kind of a, a steady situation i've never really had to do this but that might be like one fallback if because if you keep those batteries warm then yeah they will be uh, much more happy to give your camera the energy it deserves now here's one thing that also came to mind and this is the test tested in a walk-in freezer now i'm not saying go to your local butcher and ask them if you could test your camera in their freezer but if that's an option for you hey go for it um but we have an outdoor uh supplier here in germany their name is globetrotter 
and uh, I've shopped for some outdoor Jackson stuff in their in their Hamburg shop up in northern Germany, and they have a big walk-in freezer in the middle of the store. It's a it's it's big. It's it has windows in it, and it can hold easily hold six to eight people and uh, there's a wind machine in there and I don't know how low it goes but you would use that to like test a jacket before you buy it or boots or windproof pants and gloves and uh, while I haven't asked them I'm sure they will let you dry out your camera in there at freezing temperatures so that might be an option in general gloves wear gloves that let you operate a camera and test those before you go if you go to really cold conditions because um the, you know there are these gloves that have little like finger tips that you can take off and then operate the camera at minus 34 celsius you don't want to do that you will freeze your fingers off um so test fit your clothes test fit what you have including all the hats and gloves and scarves and whatever and see if you can operate your camera like that if you can take pictures while being wrapped up that way that's something that you want to learn and find out before you go there and not in the cold and then of course again condensation might be an issue if you go inside maybe you go into a like a himalayan guest house somewhere your cold camera will fog up, will fog up it's just what they do of a cold thing you if you wear glasses you know that you come in from the cold your glasses fog up the same happens to your camera and typically that's not a problem um but it means you won't be able to shoot for a while like half an hour um when you come in now if you're afraid the condensation will damage your camera well first of all then it's probably not the right camera for these conditions but um have a microfiber cloth with you to wipe it off the condensation or uh, some people will even keep the camera in a plastic bag for an hour uh, until it's at room temperature. And this way, the more humid, warm air cannot reach the camera and then it will condensate. Uh, the condensation will stay on the outside of the plastic bag. I've never really done that, though. Uh, I'd rather wait for the camera to come to room temperature, like on its by itself, and then wipe it off a few times. And last but not least... Charge your batteries wherever you can, because if you're hiking in the backcountry, you might not have access to a battery charging facility uh, as much as you want it uh, want to. In situations like this, I will I will typically have two battery charges with me, and the reason is that uh, like electricity might be hard to come by in some of those areas. Uh, sometimes, like a guest house might have a solar cell. And a truck battery that they will then like they charge during the day and then they will feed some light sources from that in the evening, usually like some of these energy saving lights. And then sometimes they will let you plug in for, for a price, for a little price, which is totally fine. But it's that's not always reliable. So with um, two charges, you can charge in parallel. And that's what I do whenever I can in these circumstances. Mm. 
All right, that was it for this episode. Thanks again, Shaper, for supporting Tips from the Top Floor. And thanks to everyone out there who's listening and who's hanging in there while I get an episode out late. And of course, as usual, if you like this episode, hey, tell someone else, spread the word. That is... I don't even need the star ratings and stuff on iTunes. No, tell other people that is the one thing that makes episodes and shows visible to others. So, yeah. Spread the word or buy me a coffee. Go to tfttf.com slash coffee to find out more. Thank you. And don't forget, if you have questions regarding pet photography, send them to me. Pet photography is going to be the topic on one of the next episodes. And I would love to hear from you. Record something on your smartphone. Send it to voice at tfttf.com. Again, that's voice at tfttf.com. Thank you. Music for the show by Jeff Smith, sound partner and Hans-Peter Kagerud, publishing and Slack challenges by Release Pixie, Matt Refster, Armstead, <laughs> Armstead, sorry, Matt. And uh, the Slack invitations are handed out by Chief Invitation Officer, CEO Rusty Russ. Again, if you want to participate in the assignment, you need to be a member of the TFTTF Slack. And Rusty is the right person to help you. Go to tfttf.com slash yslack, W-H-Y-S-L-A-C-K, to find out more. The link is in the show notes. My name is Chris Markward. You'll find me on social media on Chris, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T. Now go out and take amazing photos. Don't forget to share them with the world. Be nice to each other. And happy shooting. <laughs>